The Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you all this morning. My name is Mark. Uh, in the news notes or your bulletins, it says Peter Adamson. Peter's a lovely guy, but I'm not him. I'm actually a little younger than he is, so there you go. Um, I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters at Westminster Presbyterian in Bull Creek. Uh, we may come from different churches and church backgrounds, but in Christ, obviously, we are one. And it's a wonderful time to be with brothers and sisters here. I do want to open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the passage that we just had read from Matthew chapter 1. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for keeping your promise to send your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we study your word, cause us to wonder again at your promise to save and live with your people. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I want to ask you, what's the most costly promise that you've ever had to keep? Maybe you promised your child an expensive prize if they made some standard, you know, or some really high grade in a school report. Or maybe you promised to shave your hair or your mustache or your beard in order to raise funds for some, you know, cause like battling cancer and fighting cancer and curing cancer. Alternatively, maybe your promise has been a very solemn promise, and you keep that promise personally because it is something that you have to give up a lot for. It's even quite painful, maybe. But it's the right thing to do, so you carry on. 
Now, with that costly promise in mind, what if you were not able to keep that promise? Maybe you couldn't afford to buy that prize when the time came for your child. Or maybe you shaved yourself clean and nobody gave, and so you're, you're left with you know, just bald head and nothing, nothing to show for it. Or maybe if you just found one day that you just could not keep doing the right thing. You know, when you break any promise, you and I understand that when we break any promise, there's definitely a certain sense of humiliation. There's a sense of disappointment, and maybe even broken relationships. Now, with the cost of those things in your mind, the cost of these broken promises in your mind, now let's look at our text before us in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start just a little bit back, 17, verse 17, just to get a bit of a context here. Because in this text, in this passage, the potential for broken promises is really high. Joseph might break his betrothal to Mary. It says in verse 19 of our text before us that he had resolved to divorce her quietly. And both, of course, if that happened, would endure humiliation disappointment, and certainly a broken relationship. More significantly, though, what if they divorced? What if Joseph was never married to Mary? Then let me tell you that God's promise to Abraham, his promise of innumerable offspring, would be in danger. Because in Galatians, it tells us that in Christ, we are in Christ, and because of that, we are the answer to Abraham's promise, or God's promise to Abraham. We are the innumerable offspring of Abraham through Christ. Also, God's promise to David of someone to sit on his throne forever would be in danger if Joseph and Mary had divorced. You see, if Jesus was separated from Joseph's genealogy, if he never came into being one of the line from Joseph, then Jesus would have been born an illegitimate child he would have been outside of David's line and broken off from the whole line of the genealogy that we see in front of us, from verses 1 to 17. Beyond humiliation, beyond disappointment, God's promise to restore our relationship with him through Jesus Christ would have been undone. See, what Joseph did was he connected the dots by marrying Mary. He put Jesus in the line that he needed to be in so that we might have a Savior brought by God himself. So thankfully, 
What we see in the story before us is that God intervened. And he reassured Joseph that Mary had not been unfaithful to him. Instead, she conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So the main point that we have before us this morning is that we have a promise-keeping God who acts in history to save and to live with his people. So to flesh out this main point, we need to think about the three main people in this section. We need to think about Joseph. We need to think about Jesus. And we need to think about Jehovah, or God. I had to come up with a J, you understand. We're going to see how each of them upheld biblical promises. And so the first point is that Jesus fulfilled God's promise. The second point is that Joseph honored promises. And the third is that Jehovah kept his promise. So let's look at the first one. Jesus fulfilled God's promise. We see that actually in the first 17 verses, as I said, of this chapter. Jesus' genealogy reveals that Jehovah acts in history to bring Christ, God's anointed one, the King. So I want us to take, as we start off, note of two important facts about how Jesus fulfilled God's promise. The first thing that we note here is that Jesus did not come instantly. You know, at the first advent of sin, at the first time when sin appeared, they didn't just suddenly send Jesus. Now, we didn't read the whole genealogy here, and hands up, right? We all often skip through the genealogies when we read them. A lot of strange names you can't even pronounce, and you kind of read past it really quick, right? Get on to the next one. That's how we do our Bible reading at times, right? However, we do have a helpful summary in verse 17. So if you just look back at 17, this might help. Because what happens is, as the, as the author, as the narrator summarizes this, he says there's 14 generations from Abraham to David. And then there's 14 generations from David to the deportation, that is the exile into Babylon that Israel went into. And then there's another 14 generations from the return from exile, the return from deportation, to Christ. So in total, the Lord worked through, or around, or overruled, because some of these guys in the list are quite naughty, um, God did all of this over 40 generations of people and families before he brought Jesus Christ into the world. God took his time. Jesus did not come instantly. But the second thing to note is that Jesus' birth is predicted, and it's miraculous. Verse 23 quotes Isaiah 7.14, which predicts the virgin birth very clearly. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now this prediction tells us that God's plan, centuries before the event, he, it was predicted here, uh, sorry, it was predicted in Isaiah about what God was going to do hundreds of years ahead of time. 
And it not only predicts it hundreds of years ahead of time, but it also predicts a miraculous event. A virgin conceives. You know that's not right, right? You know that's not how it happens. A virgin conceives. It's a supernatural occurrence. So it took God's plan, and it took God's power to make both of those things happen. Often, in our culture, in this day and age, Christianity and the Bible are given a bad rap. We're told by our culture, or the culture seems to think, that it's outdated, that we're on the wrong side of history, that it's passe, it's old news. See, our culture views God's actions with ancient peoples, and the length of time that God takes to do things and keep his promises, and the incredible miracle stories that are recorded in the Bible, our culture takes those things to just be fairy tales, to be a bunch of bunk, to be nothing to pay attention to. To many in our culture, the Bible is old, it's slow, and it's really just unbelievable. However, Christian, you can, you should take refuge in those very qualities. See, we know that God has worked through centuries, through flawed people, flawed people like us. He's worked for centuries through people like us. He took his time, which demonstrates that he has great care for us, for each person along the way. God has cared for them, provided for them, taken care to look out for them, guard them, guide them, lead them. And we also know that he has unlimited power, unlimited grace, unlimited mercy towards those who are his. He loves them. And in all of that, he was able to still bring Jesus Christ on the scene, even through flawed people like you and like me. Christian, be confident that God's word is real because what he proves here, even in this text, is that he can bring Jesus on the scene. He has brought Jesus on the scene. We see that as a historical thing, that Jesus came, even though it took a long time, and even though it took God's plan and God's miracle to make it all happen. Isn't that great? something to rejoice in. Next, we're going to consider Joseph's actions. Joseph honored promises. See, Joseph kept his promise to marry, to marry Mary, to marry, 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 Mary. And he believed God's promise of salvation. Earlier, I pointed out the undoing of all God's promises that could have done, could have happened to Abraham and David if Joseph had carried out his resolve in verse 19. 
Verse 19 says, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put Mary or put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You know how women get pregnant. Mary, who promised to be your wife, and you, her husband, you find out that she is with child. That's what verse 18 tells us. What's your natural conclusion? She was unfaithful, right? That's how it normally would play out. That's what would normally be our natural conclusion. Joseph was in the dark. Joseph, in that situation, had two legal avenues, two avenues to pursue from God's law. The first one was in Deuteronomy 22. In Deuteronomy 22, in verse 23 and 24, he could bring Mary to court where she would be condemned and stoned for adultery. That was one of the avenues open to Joseph. But there was a second avenue. Deuteronomy 24, he could just give her a certificate of divorce because he found some indecency in her, didn't he? And that's what he had resolved to do. Joseph resolved to move down the more merciful and quiet path to put her away quietly. His resolve revealed, first, his just character. He was a righteous guy. He wanted to do things the God's way, the right way. But he also had this genuine love for Mary, this beautiful love. He didn't want to shame her. He was just going to do it quietly. Nonetheless, we know from verse 18, don't we, that Joseph didn't know all the facts. Mary was not pregnant from unfaithfulness. She was, as verse 18 put it, with child from the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. And he says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, Joseph, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So with this news from God, Joseph knew that Mary was faithful. She was faithful to her promise to be his wife. And so, being obedient to God's command, Joseph chose to honor his promise to be Mary's husband. Again, put yourself in Joseph's shoes at this point. He's relieved, right? He's relieved. Oh, good, Mary. She has been faithful. Thank you, Lord, for her faithfulness. Thank you that we can go forward with our wedding. But he's also challenged, right? Think about it. Joseph's shoes at this point. He's going to marry Mary, so now he's going to be the human father, the earthly father, to Jesus. Jesus who he was just told, right, in verse 21, Jesus, who's going to save his people from their sin. I'm going to be the father to the savior of God's people. 
that's incredible. That's a huge challenge. How many would like to be the father of, you know, like that's a scary thing. But also, you're going to be father, verse 23, to Emmanuel, God with us. The Savior, that's a challenge, to be earthly father to God? You know, what a challenge. What a challenge. How would you respond? How would you respond to that challenge? How would you respond to that news? Well, let me tell you, Joseph responded in faith. Joseph responded in faith. He believed God's word that was delivered to him in that dream. And verse 24 and 25 say this, you can look at, look at and follow along. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not. He had not had relations with her, sexual relations with her, until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. You see, Joseph was full of faith, wasn't he? And he was obedient. He gave full obedience to what the angel had commanded him to do. And one key outcome of Joseph's obedience was that by naming Jesus, as God had instructed him to do, Joseph was exercising his full rights as the father. So Joseph legally connected Jesus to the genealogy that we see in Matthew chapter 1. And in doing so, he upheld God's promise to both Abraham and to David. Let me just challenge you by way of application of some of the things we've seen here. Perhaps most times, our decisions to believe and obey God might not appear to have huge cosmic impact thing like what we see here of Joseph's, right? It just doesn't seem when you're believing God and following him in the day-to-day -day life, you just kind of feel like it's just insignificant. It appears that way. However, think about what Joseph did. All he did was to marry Mary and then name a baby. That's what he did. Common occurrence. A lot of people get married. A lot of people have children. Just a common, everyday thing. But God used Joseph's simple act of faith and obedience in his eternal plan to bring about salvation for all, all his people. So you and I, even with just a simple faith, even with just simple obedience, we don't know what God can do to impact history. I want to encourage you. Maybe it's just loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. That can be an act of faith. Maybe it's just loving your neighbor. That can be an act of faith. Maybe it's just forgiving someone, like what you see in the front 
on the wall. That can be an act of faith. It can be difficult. Maybe it's being generous. Maybe it's fleeing temptation. Maybe it's just trusting God day to day to put on the new self and put off the old self. But I want to challenge you and encourage you from God's Word. You see, Jesus' long-promised arrival shows that God works patiently over time with flawed people. And Joseph's faithful obedience teaches us, doesn't it, how to respond to God's Word in faith and obedience. So now let's look at that last point, that third point. Now let's find out what God's purpose was in sending Jesus. We've seen it already, but we know this, Jehovah keeps his promise. So God reveals to Joseph the plan to save his people and to be with his people through Jesus. Now we need only look at Jesus' name. And then the name that's revealed in Isaiah, that prophecy from Isaiah, to see Jesus' sort of two-pronged purpose here. Why did God bring Jesus? Well, first, verse 21 tells us, Jesus will save his people from their sin. The name Jesus means savior, or save from sin, or saver, savior of the people. There you go. Verse 23 then tells us Emmanuel, and there you have the meaning right in front of us. It means God with us. So simply put, Jesus had to rescue us from our sins so that God would dwell with us. He needed to accomplish both in order to be fully successful, to fully accomplish the purpose that God had for him. See, too often we forget that the Bible teaches that we serve a God who is holy, holy, holy. If we had just the tiniest bit of sin or rebellion or or against God in any even a little way, God would have to judge us. God has to judge sin. And all sinners are condemned in his presence. They would die. So Jesus came. He was sent to take our place. Just like John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange. Jesus gets our sin and we get his righteousness. You see, God's eternal plan and promise to generations of people is that he would save them from their sin and then dwell with them forever. That's what we celebrate at the coming of your Savior, Jesus Christ. So just in conclusion, I want to ask you this question. Have you embraced Jesus' work to save you from your sins? Are you embracing him only? 
No confidence in what you can do. Full confidence and faith in what the Lord has done in Christ. If you have, walk in that faith. Day in, day out, walk in that faith as you seek to obey what God tells you to do from his word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are indeed so grateful. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for being obedient to the Father in all things. Thank you for taking our sin and taking our place and dying the death that we deserve and facing the wrath of God that we deserve. Thank you for that. Lord, I do pray that you would help us to walk in that faith, that we would be obedient children, that we would follow your word and enjoy your presence always with us. Lord, for any who are here who don't know you yet, I ask that you would give them faith, help them to believe and trust you and know peace with you and know your presence with them always too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.